0: to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU. And right now, a bunch of news. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. Isn't Marvel news
2: really just news to us?
0: I think I, every morning I open up the old gray lady, AKA trying you AMA, AMA? Thank you. There you go. I was like, oh God, oh, I got to think of some old ladies in Marvel, but thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. Anyway, we're going to be talking about a bunch of news topics here in the interim between When Marvel uh, TV shows and movies come out, lots of stuff always popping. We can chat about it. We're going to try to do more of these, hopefully, going forward, if you like them.
2: We want to be your primary news source. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We'll cover mostly Marvel and a little bit of weather at the end.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And then I'm going to just throw in, like, one sharp, hot political take somewhere in here. But you'll see if you pick up See if you can spot it, yeah. It's going to be
2: hard to pick up.
0: Let's start with one of the big things that broke this week. This hasn't been officially confirmed by Marvel, but as usual, it's probably officially confirmed. Anyway, John Bernthal is returning as the Punisher in Daredevil, born again. Reportedly, I believe he's going to be in for as much as six episodes of the show, which is a big deal. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about here in the show that we'll get into a moment. But I wanted to stop here. What do you think about this? What do you think about John Bernthal coming back?
2: I mean, first off, love John Bernthal. Um, great actor. I, uh, We Own the City. Did you watch that on HBO? was, no, he was so right. was good really in that. Good. Yeah. Really great. And to see him back in The Punisher, he's playing this sort of similarly orbiting characters uh, over <laughs> and over again. But, like, uh, I like him. I think he's a great Punisher. It does, two things come to mind. First off, of course, they got 18 episodes. They got mm-hmm. a cram in everything. They got time Absolutely. to spare. <laughs> no wonder there's going to be a Punisher nine par arc, but secondarily, Disney Plus mm-hmm. not really a, a gun place. Punisher yeah. famously gun focused. I do wonder, and
0: this would be pretty exciting if we're really firmly putting the Punisher in the MCU. Every time he kills somebody, if he says "so that just happened," that would be pretty good, right?
2: Like, oh, put it on full like uh, Disney Channel kids <laughs> show style, yeah. Punisher's
0: like Kingpin's right behind me right now, isn't he? Uh oh. (laughs) Wowie, wow, wow. wow. There's a couple of things to address with that. One, when they added all of the Netflix shows on Disney Plus, they also added a whole pin system, parental discretion gate. They gave it a mature rating. Internationally, it also doesn't matter. They have Star yeah. on there versus Hulu. And there's all sorts of content that you wouldn't necessarily describe as Disney content. So if they're going for the international play, which, frankly, we're going to probably talk about later in this podcast when it comes to movies, is the play that Disney is going for anyway. It matters more domestically than it does internationally. And yeah. while I don't think it's going to be as wildly violent or... I don't know. There, there were a couple of I, I – got to back off on what I'm saying. There were a couple oh. of very intense moments of violence in the Netflix shows, but they're not the most violent shows I've seen in the world. They're just violent for
2: Marvel shows, right? Yeah, uh, I think so. But I still do think the Netflix shows are f- further across the line than what Disney would normally put on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. So I think while I agree with you, there is still a line that they're going to need to, I imagine, pull back a little bit from.
0: But this gets into, and I think we're going far afield here, but we talk about this all the time on Comic Book Club, our live show, and The Stack, our review podcast, where the Punisher is sometimes an odd fit in the Marvel Universe. Like in his own books, he's getting to do exactly what you're saying. He's getting to be as violent as he needs. He's getting to push forward. But then you pair him with superheroes who are like, now Punisher, don't kill. And he's like, oh, I'm going to kill. And they're like, don't kill. And then maybe he kills one guy or is like, gets pulled back from killing the vulture because you need the vulture in other stories or whatever. So I do wonder if we're going to have that, even if John Bernthal as an actor is going to give 1000%, if we're going to get 50% of that Punisher in this show, to your point.
2: Well, I also think the debate about the Punisher always goes to he's the guy that kills. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like the character was created to sort of occupy that middle ground, a vigilante that goes too far so that um, he... He's technically fighting villains, but he's trying to hurt them, kill them, whatever. And so heroes have to pull back on another hero. Interesting, like, take in a gray area for comic books when before there was that gray area. But then you fast forward that to now. There are a ton of ways to do this without it being like him just sniping people from a distance. Like, we don't need to do that. It could just be like he gets too violent. He goes too far. His mm-hmm. tactics are wrong. And they could have – because Daredevil – the problem is Daredevil is pushing that too. So those two characters are occupying sort of a similar vigilante thing. Like they're on the edge. They could go over the edge any moment. So like, how do you differentiate the Punisher? And that's why it lands on like, well, he straight up kills people.
0: Right. And that's and where I, you get uh, that great. Uh, one of the best things of the Daredevil show in uh, it was season two, the first half, that thing right out of the comics where Punisher has Daredevil chained to the chimney and gives them the whole we're one bad day different from each other yeah. speech. That's great. That gets to the heart of it. I will say I am very tired of the whole should vigilantes kill debate. Agreed. We have run it out. I'm I'm cautiously hopeful they're going to hit it in a different way. I'm cautiously hopeful they're going to use the Punisher in a different way, like I mentioned with 1000% and like you mentioned with John Bernthal it's kind of a no-brainer to bring him back, right? Like, he is yeah. a hot actor right now. He does a phenomenal and job. In more ways than one, Alex. haba. Have you seen American Gigolo? Awuga, awuga. He also loves The Punisher. Like, we know this without calling any names, but we have a friend who works with him or worked with him on The Punisher, and he, like, is obsessed with the comics and thinks about it and wants to get it right for the fans and thinks about what the right thing is, so... If you're going to bring somebody back and you're going to put the Punisher in there, it makes total sense to have John Berthall in there. Especially
2: when you have 18 episodes is a ton of real estate, (laughs) especially what we're going to talk about later, maybe about the the Marvel maybe pulling back a little bit. The fact that this show snuck in an 18 episode order is wild. It's going to feel like so much bigger.
0: I'm still suspicious of that, to be honest. This is based on no information whatsoever. Mm. But my guess here is they are doing essentially what Netflix does with animation, which is they're like, great news. We picked you up for 18 episodes for this season so that we can pay you with one contract. Oh, by the way, we're going to release this in three parts of six episodes each over the course of two years and essentially sell them as three seasons. So
2: I sort of your Gabby's dollhouse model.
0: Exactly. That's how they talked about it in the room, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs>
2: definitely. But <laughs> the they're, I see they're not going to do
0: 18 weeks of Daredevil. That doesn't make any sense. They're going to break it up in different parts, I'm sure.
2: They could do it an Andor style. You do exactly. 9 and 9. Uh, Andor did 12 and is working on this back 12, and that's perfectly exciting and fun. Exactly.
0: On the other hand, and I guess it's too bad that our primary defender of these two characters, Pete, is not on this episode of the podcast, but also dropped in this Hollywood Reporter article where they explained that John Bernthal was coming back. They casually mentioned that most likely Deborah Ann Wall and Eldon Henson will not be back as Karen and Foggy, respectively. They didn't say that definitively, but they believe they are not going to be back. What do you think about this?
2: Well, it makes a lot of sense, uh... If we are sticking with this Daredevil She-Hulk love thing, like mm-hmm. having Karen Page in there feels weird. Um, and Foggy's future is looking foggy, mm-hmm. I would say.
0: the uh, I, I'm going to be straight up rude. They seem like very nice people. They were the vestigial lib of that show. <laughs> wow. the they were. It, it, constantly, they'd be like Daredevil would be in these really intense situations and then they'd cut over to them and they'd... Uh, Kara would be like, I'm really trying to make it as a newspaper person, but I'm not going to write any articles or I'm going to work on one article. They're like, please turn in some articles. And she's like, nope, I'm working on this one article and that's it. And then Eldon would come in, Foggy would come in and be like, make a joke about avocados. And he always seemed very, Pete's going to listen to this and he's going to scream at me, but he always (laughs) seemed so uncomfortable in that role. Like it just did not fit for him. I don't mind Foggy as a character, as a foil to Daredevil, but there was nothing there.
2: Well, I think they they it sort of became like a, a workplace comedy energy. And the show just wasn't interested in that. And like modern TV doesn't really mix workplace comedy with drama in the way that the the superhero show is going to want to. So it, that makes total sense. Like and if we follow the Karen Page arc from the comics, well, that's horrifying. And um, <laughs> I feel like either they have to do that or not. Yeah. The
0: only one qualm that I have, even though Daredevil completely, the show completely misused them when they brought Karen over to the Punisher, which, mind you, I always forget about this. The first season of the Punisher was great, like legitimately a great show. Second season, not so much. But the chemistry between Deborah Ann Wall and John Bernthal a million times better than the chemistry between Deborah Adwall and Charlie Cox. So not getting to see that again is a little bit of a bummer, but it's okay. We have the other episodes that have passed, and I think we're going to be all good. (laughs) There is another recast, though, that set off a lot of rumors that I think are entirely unnecessary. So Sandrine Holtz, who I, I believe she was on Better Call Saul, if I remember correctly, has been cast as Vanessa Fisk in Daredevil Born Again Ilede Zur played her on the Netflix show Ooh, you're going Um
2: I have Sandrina on House of Cards Mr. Robot and Homeland
0: Oh, OK. There we go. Well, she's also going to be working with this actually was also buried in a THR article that was about Michael Questo, who's previously directed on Dexter and Homeland, is going to be directing episodes of the show. This set off a lot of speculation about, oh, this is a different universe. They got it Vanessa different Vanessa Fisk. It's all not connected to the oh. previous show. That's ridiculous.
2: That's ridiculous. Uh, but you're right. She's also on Better Call Saul playing uh, Cheryl Hamlin, which mm. um, I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think that is crazy. That's uh, <laughs> Recasting, does that mean we've shifted the show to another universe?
0: Well, that's, uh-huh. if you look back at it, Iron Man and Iron Man 2 are two entirely different
2: universes because they're different roadies. Yeah, that's 100% right. Yes. Uh, Just think of how we'd be living if we were in the Iron Man or or Rage universe.
0: Yes. So I think that's kind of a ridiculous rumor. Yes, they're going to recast people. Uh, I'm still of the opinion, and I've said this several times here on the podcast, that – it's going to be like a soft reboot where they're not going to conflict necessarily anything that happened before, but they're also not going to reference it. Like nobody's going to be like, Hey, weren't you avocados at law? And Matt is going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's crazy.
2: Uh, I agree. They won't do that specific thing, but it's also strange because it does feel like with the Punisher being in there, they're going to hit a lot of the same beats, at Mm -hmm. least like from a, a character point of view. So it's like, what are you going to be doing again? And if you're doing things, similar things, it's going to be hard to not reference what happened before. right? Or resho- I mean,
0: it's a classic going back to the origin thing. So they're not going to use footage from the Netflix shows, I don't think. But they're going to reshoot it in a different way or work it in a different way. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, on, on the other hand, there are a lot of stories about Daredevil and they're all different and they all reference the same events, but hit it in a different ways. So, yeah, we'll see.
2: And what do you think about the Echo Show? How does that fit in here? Because that's been pushed
0: back, right? I mean, that gets into the next topic we're going to talk about a little bit, but maybe it works in in some way. Maybe they're going to have to reshoot things because apparently that's been pushed back at the very least until 2024. So it, it was clearly supposed to come first. It was supposed to come pretty soon after Hawkeye. But whether you believe that there were a lot of problems in actually getting the show together or if they're just shifting around the order... Whatever it is, this is sort of classic classic Marvel where they're like, oop, we moved this thing around, now we're going to have to change things and tweak things and change the end credit scenes and figure it out. The last thing I wanted to say before we move on to our next topic, though, is that the show is starting to shoot in New York this coming all week right. for a very long time, so we'll probably go to set, right? We'll hang
2: yeah, out. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we'll be there. We're New Yorkers, so we're walking mm-hmm. through movies all the time.
0: Yeah, they'll be look forward to our big scene where we say hey I'm walking here as we walk through
2: the shop. Yeah. <laughs> Got to have that to New York New York shoot.
1: As you referenced, this
0: was another big topic that came out this week. I know we were all very excited for the Morgan Stanley Technology, Media, and Telecom Conference, one of the biggest entertainment (laughs) events of the
2: year. I I camped out outside. It was sick, (laughs) dude. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: Man, I really want to do that sometime. Dressed in costume as my favorite Morgan Stanley exec.
2: Yeah, which is just um, work clothes for a lot of people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I crowd surfed in uh, for a lot of it. Don't take the brown acid, but I did anyway.
0: So Bob Iger, who is now again and temporarily again in charge of Disney, (laughs) gave some statements about a lot of different things at this conference. But the big one for us is he talked about Marvel movies. And I'm just going to read off his quotes, which were shared by CNBC. Sequels typically worked well for us. Do you need a third and fourth, for instance, or is it time to turn to other characters? There's nothing in any way inherently off in terms of the Marvel brand. I think we just have to look at what characters and stories we're mining. And you look at the trajectory of Marvel over the next five years, you'll see a lot of newness. We're going to turn back to the Avengers franchise, but with a whole different set of Avengers. So how does this strike you? There's a lot of stuff to take away here from this. But what are your big takeaways, Justin?
2: I mean, I feel like I get why he's saying there's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong here. Nothing wrong here. Um, that's a classic thing to say. And I don't think there's inherently like a a bunch of detrimental, uh, problems that are going to really ruin everything. I just think they need to take some more time to -hmm. make the stuff that's important to them and by, uh, transitive property, us (laughs) desperately important to us. And, And that's why I feel like statements like, oh, we just need to look at the stories reminding. It's like, no, it's not about the stories or the characters. It's about your choices when you make them.
0: Yeah, that's, I don't know. I don't want to like pick it apart piece by piece, but it's a weird statement coming from a guy who immediately his first call after he took over at CEO again he was like, hey, real quick, we're going to lay off 7,000 people, but good news, we're doing Frozen 3 and Toy Story 5. And then here he's like, I don't know if we need a Thor 3 and a Thor 4 or a Captain America 3 and a Captain America 4 or all of these different things. They seem like contradictory statements on the surface. I do understand the essence of what he's talking about, but I think what he's actually bouncing around is the recent slate of Marvel movies have not performed in the way that they want them to. So, like you're saying, it's not about changing up the characters. It is about making sure the stories are good and you're telling them for a reason versus just green-lighting sequels nonstop,
2: right? Well, I also think they... They also don't have access to a lot of their older characters anymore from a from the story point of view, from a contractual point of view, I think. So, like, I think a lot of buried in this statement is like, hey, we're doing more stuff, but it's going to be a lot of stuff that you haven't really seen before. (laughs) Like, this is probably the last Guardians. That was probably the last Ant-Man, especially given how it performed. Like, (laughs) I think we're going to move into like the Fantastic Four, get edging toward X-Men. Like, all this stuff is where it's going, and there's a lot of excitement to be had there. But he can't say that yet, I don't think. the. I also
0: have two very conflicting feelings about this. One is we've been raised on comic books, so of course I want to see these characters forever. You know, I want to see a Shang-Chi 2, 3, 4, 5, you know, see his continuing adventures until Simulu is like, I physically can't do this anymore. Please leave me alone. <laughs> But on the other hand, every Marvel movie is a sequel to the previous Marvel movie, you know, in that's exactly way. right. Yeah. So so they're going to keep going regardless. Even if you don't get Shang-Chi 56, Shang-Chi is still going to be in the movie subway, even though Captain America is technically old or on the moon or dead or whatever is going on with him. You could bring back Chris Evans at any point for anything and he could pop up in a movie and it would not be like, whoa, what's going on here? Because it's fine. So they have ways of working this stuff without selling it specifically on that title character while still telling the story they want to tell.
2: Well, it's interesting to me, like uh, just one more thing on this, like. From a story point of view, like they're bringing back the Avengers. Is it going to be like in the comics where it's like, here's your card. You're an Avenger now. Mm -hmm. Or is it going to be another like, whoops, we're all fighting in the same fight. Why don't we work together? Because there's a problem coming. Uh, Because I think it's hard to pull the same rabbit out of the hat that they did in the first couple phases, bringing together the Avengers. So what's the move here?
0: Mm. I, I think it's probably going to be the latter more Avengers as a capsule term for this is the movie where we bring everybody together and they're all working together, not necessarily as a formal team per se, though there might be teams. I mean, you could see like Sam Wilson as the new Captain America bringing together a team. We're getting the Thunderbolts. So they're
2: going to be a team. So there's, they will definitely be a team. But I just like, if it's fighting Kang, then I guess it could be like, Hey, we're all trapped in this pocket universe or however exactly. they're going to do it. So we're Avengers. Yeah. But it's just like, you can't go, it's part of what we all sort of grew into okay. over the course of the MCU is Tony Stark building the infrastructure of the Avengers. And I think mm-hmm. that was a thing that we liked in watching the the progression of the Avengers movies. And I don't think they could do that again. So I'm curious how that's going to Well, but here's
0: out. the other thing is we basically got one Avengers movie. Right? Like the first Avengers movie is all about them putting together the team, leading it to that iconic spin around shot at the end. The second yeah. movie, Age of Ultron, is the one where they're actually like, we're the Avengers. We have a headquarters. We work together. We've done all of these missions that you haven't seen. They happened off screen. And we're all going to fight together. And that's great. And then in between that, you have, after that, you have Civil War where they break apart and they're no longer Avengers. And then Avengers Infinity War and Endgame are exactly what we're saying. It's these disparate elements all coming together to fight this threat. In both of those movies but they're never really like we're a team in exactly the same way
2: well but i think the what you just described you need that hey let's be a team let's come together let's be a team we're a team now we're breaking apart because we had a disagreement like that dramatic action i think led to some of the best moments in the whole franchise Mm. so like if it's going to be like accidental bump into meet q avengers like, we need some infrastructure there to yeah. to carry us through like the next five movies.
0: Yeah, you're definitely right about that. Having a series of scenes where it's all strangers getting themselves caught up to speed on what a multiverse is, is going to be potentially the most boring thing of all time.
2: Honestly, I'm ready for a Doctor Strange snap. Like, okay, you all know what the multiverse is when I just snap my fingers like that. Let's have a snap every couple (laughs) movies. (laughs) Let's get through the exposition.
0: It's definitely my big takeaway from the first couple of movies. Uh, Here's another one. This is some exciting news. I thought Marvel Studios is uh, going to introduce original characters, characters. not based on the comic books, um, aside from like S.H.I.E.L.D. characters, but actual superheroes. And the first one they announced, and apparently this is not going to be last, is for What If Season 2. It is a character called Kahordi, who is, the idea is, and I'm definitely going to mispronounce several things here, so I apologize. But this episode in Season 2 is going to ask what happens if the Tesseract fell to Earth and landed in the sovereign Uh, Haudenosaunee Confederacy Mm -hmm. before the colonization of America. Um, This is from an article on Marvel, by the way. So it's the Tesseract takes on new life and a new mythology, transforming a lake into a gateway to the stars and leading Kohorti, a young Mohawk woman on a quest to discover her power. And one of the other neat things about this is they work very heavily with the Mohawk nation to make sure to craft this character to craft this arc to craft the world that she lives in. And I believe the episode is also going to be broadcast in Mohawk with subtitles, presumably. Um, I think this is great. I'm very excited yeah. about this news.
2: Agreed. This is awesome. I think it's a great, uh, doing a, uh, what if, new what if stories is a great way to do it with new characters. It lets us start to maybe take these characters and put them back into the comics, uh, to bring them to the comics that is. And this particular story is really interesting to me. It feels a little bit like the the premise of Prey brought mm. into um, a Marvel take, which I think is uh, very cool.
0: Well, that said, I think they were developing – they've been working on one of Season 2 for a while. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think we're going to see a lot of characters we know. Like, it's going to be a classic Pucci situation without using that derogatorily where, like, she goes through the multiverse and – sees a bunch of characters that we're familiar with pumps into captain carter etc um but it's neat Uh, it's exciting i will say my last note on this is i originally saw the news just being like new episode of what if is going to be what if the (laughs) texter fell to earth and landed in the sovereign had an asani confederacy before the colonization of
2: america and i was like wow that's a long title (laughs) but (laughs) so it's real well yeah it's real guys it's it's real that's what we button up every episode with guys It's real.
0: Yes. Couple of quick other things to mention here this weekend as we're taping. The Oscars are coming up. Marvel is up for five Oscars all for Black Panther Wakanda Forever for best visual effects, best costume design, best original song, best hair and makeup, and best supporting actress. As our Oscar prognosticator, Justin, what is your official take here that you're willing to stake your reputation on? Take it
2: away. I think you got costume design as a a a big hit, they'll get that. Visual effects, I feel like uh, mm-hmm. Avatar is <laughs> going to go for that one. Original song, potentially, um, I think RRR, not too, not too, um people are really rising for that. Um, hair and makeup, I think that could be, they could Marvel could take that. The big one though, Best Supporting Actress. I mean, her performance is mm-hmm. unbelievable. It's a tough category, and in the other award ceremonies that we've seen lately, like the um the SAG awards the DGA awards all the other sort of guild award shows um I don't believe it's been a mixed bag about who's won Mm -hmm. that so um it could be because Jamie Lee Curtis is up here right and a couple Mm -hmm. other people so like and Jamie Lee Curtis has won the DGA I think she won um the so it's like it's a it's a mixed bag but her performance is unbelievable. And Mm. I think she could easily take it.
0: I agree. And my very callous, calculated way of looking at this beyond the fact that she'd have a phenomenal performance is I think people might see it as a way of awarding or honoring Chadwick Boseman at the same time. So I don't know, just sort of to get into the head of the Oscar voter potentially, but it would be great. Like you said, because she deserves it because she tears up the screen every scene that she's (laughs) in. It's so intense. Uh, But it would also be the first acting win for Marvel, which would be a big deal for them. So I guess we'll see what happens. We mentioned earlier the Quantumania box office. We're still in the middle of the weekend as we're taping this. We don't know exactly how it's going to do this weekend. But woof is, I guess, my take.
2: (laughs) Yeah, not great. Not great for multiple reasons, because it may not. At be Ant-Man 2, right? Uh, for box office.
0: Yeah. Depending on how you look at it, I, I broke out a couple of figures and I was looking like we we're talking about at the international box office. and Global box office currently, at the, as of today, is I believe $423 million. You're looking for to break a billion on every single one of these superhero movies. It's been tough since yeah. the pandemic. It hasn't necessarily happened as consistently, but you got to go back to like Eternals did 401 million totals. Shang-Chi did 432. Black Widow did 379. And those were like beginning pandemic movies yeah, pandemic when people movies. were much more scared to go out into movie theaters. And then before that, you got to go all the way back to phase one to find something comparable when Cap One made 370 million global and Thor made 449 million global. So... This is not good. And I think to tie back into the earlier thing, ties exactly into why Bob Iger was saying the things that he was saying.
2: Yeah. I mean, especially like you can say like it's post-pandemic all that, but like Top Gun just blew – an Avatar just blew these numbers out of the water and we're back to pre-pandemic levels. So it's like – it, it is a big problem, especially when I'm sure they had their eyes on a billion global when they were making this movie and, and coming out with it. They've pinned it as the next big move in in phase five, the first movie of phase five. It's uh, got a bunch of uh, implications for the movie. It's a the the threequel for Ant-Man, a franchise that was gaining strength over the course of its run. So it is bad. It is bad. Yeah,
0: I don't think we're going to see an Ant-Man Four. I got to be honest with you.
2: Uh, agree. I don't think we will. But I, th- I think this is ba- going back to Bob Iger's statement. This is making Marvel look at the process at the same time you have DC looking at their changing up their whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's actually probably a good moment for them to restructure, think back, trim some stuff, put more time into writing the stories before you're already making the dude with the holes.
0: Marvel made its best stuff when it was thinking like the underdog. Now it's thinking like the winner. And if we can get it back to a place where it is the underdog, they got to fight a little harder and be a little scrappier. I just think they're going to be better for it, to your point. Last thing I wanted to end with, I am always very iffy about theories, but I thought there was a fun theory that I saw banging around the internet that I did like quite a bit. So if you remember in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, there's a scene where Ant-Man, after he's been imprisoned, Kang comes up to him and doesn't remember who Ant-Man is. He's like, did, did I kill you? Ant-Man's yeah. very confused. And then he says, are you the one with the hammer? And he's Mm. like, no, that's Thor. What are you talking about? So what people were pointing out is it's pretty weird. The Keg, who is an observant guy, who's a conqueror, who knows a lot of stuff, would be like, are you the long blonde haired fellow who's very buff with the hammer? That doesn't make any sense. But What might make sense is if it was Captain America from the end of Endgame, when Captain America is wearing essentially an Ant-Man suit and holding (laughs) Thor's hammer, goes into the quantum realm to return the Infinity Stones. That potentially is the point when Kang found him. So mm, I don't know. You would have to split off the multiverse there because obviously Captain Barrow was successful. He returned the infinity stones. He got together with Peggy. But again, I thought that was a fun theory. I don't know if they were thinking about that when they made the movie, but I liked it
2: as a retcon explanation. Um, I think that's really great. I would argue, I would guess they were not thinking about that at all. <laughs> no. I think they were making like a joke that seemed cool um for him to make didn't i kill you did i kill you like it's a nice fun badass thing to say um but i also think to take it more seriously you could see it as a real launching point into just like the like there's a multiverse where ant-man has the thor's hammer or where iron man who also looks a little bit like ant-man has thor's hammer or where for instance referencing the comics tony stark is in the ant-man armor Mm -hmm. and he somehow gets the hammer so the multiverse anything can happen as we're all going to learn over and over again for the next
0: decade (laughs) cool Well, listen, that is it for our news update for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until
2: next time, stay marvelous. Turning to Web. We've got some great clouds and sun coming into the Marvel Phase 5.
0: Ooh, clouds and sun.